This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. My favorite Hanukkah song is a uh, song called Mi Yamaleo, who can retell. It talks about the miracles of this season uh, for our people and the courage of the Maccabees and the courage it takes to continue to lead a principled and committed life today. It's the first day of Hanukkah, and that's Rabbi Michael Dolgan telling us about his favorite tune for this time of year. A little later on, we'll hear some more of the music of the Festival of Lights. And there will be many mixed-faith families celebrating Hanukkah this year with relatives who grew up in different traditions. I'll talk to Rabbi Dolgan about negotiating the demands of interfaith families when it comes to the holiday season. Plus, are you looking for a special gift for that Zoomer on your list? We can be a tough group to shop for since many of us have all the scarves, ties, and gloves we can handle. Zoomer Magazine's executive editor, Vivian Vassos, has some great ideas for gifts that give back and bring the family together. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Is it a boon to Zoomers trying to stay in their homes as long as possible? Or is it just a boondoggle? Earlier this week, Health Minister Deb Matthews announced more than $270 million in new funding for the province's Aging at Home and Community Care Program. She says the money will help older Ontarians live independently and reduce pressure on emergency rooms. But critics say the increase falls far short of what's needed to make up for services that hospitals are cutting and to deal with lengthy waiting lists. Do we get more vulnerable to con artists and scammers as we age? That's the conclusion of researchers from UCLA's Neuroscience Lab after a study comparing perceptions of trustworthiness among younger and older individuals. They found older people tended to miss common cues that suggest a person is not trustworthy. And when they scanned the subject's brains, they found that when younger people looked at pictures of untrustworthy types, a certain area of the brain lit up. But in the older volunteers, there was very little brain activity in this region. The findings appear to agree with what experts on scams and the elderly have long suspected. The good news is, forewarned is forearmed. Dave Brubeck, the legendary jazz icon, passed away last Wednesday, a day before his 92nd birthday. Brubeck became famous for his experimentation with unusual time signatures after hearing them used during a tour of Turkey. His most famous recording was Take 5, written by saxophone player Paul Desmond. It was the first jazz recording to reach the Billboard pop charts. In 1996, Brubeck received a Lifetime Achievement Grammy Award. At the time, he said he was still learning. Dave Brubeck received an honorary degree from York University in 2004. His son, Matt, teaches music there. 
And finally, she went out looking her best. A 116-year-old American woman, listed by Guinness World Records as the world's oldest living person, died Tuesday soon after having her hair done. Bessie Cooper's son says she passed away peacefully at the Park Place Nursing Home in Monroe, Georgia, after eating a big breakfast and having her hair styled. Bessie Cooper taught school until her first child was born in 1929. All four of them have survived her and are said to be in good health. Bessie Cooper also had the distinction of living in three centuries. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's the first day of Hanukkah, the Jewish festival of lights. Every year it falls at some point during the Christmas season, and that can pose particular problems for a growing segment of our society, interfaith families. Whether it involves you or your children and grandchildren, the holidays highlight tough questions. How to raise children, whether to celebrate one holiday or both. Should you have a Christmas tree in your home or light the menorah? Or do you just mix it all together and decorate the tree with blue dreidels? It's a conundrum I faced when I married my husband Doug more than 22 years ago. For some more recent insight, I turned to a man who deals with these issues every day, Rabbi Michael Dolgan of Temple Sinai in Toronto. I certainly see that this is a time where unresolved issues or other stresses in people's lives take on a greater significance and challenge because of this time of year. The pressure of the economic, symbolic, and religious nature of this time of year can be very challenging for families in general and for interfaith families in particular. What are the particular problems that interfaith families have? I think the challenge is created by the coincidence of two different holidays and their symbols coming at the same time. Uh, I'm not qualified, certainly, to speak about the Christian side of Christmas, but from a cultural side, it's a very powerful and significant holiday, which is present in our culture, uh, not for a day or 12 days, but for a couple of months. Growing up, I grew up very Jewish, but Hanukkah was always a fairly minor holiday, and it seems to have grown in importance just, you know, because of its proximity to Christmas and to make uh, Jewish people feel like they have something important happening then, too. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? No, Libby, I think you're absolutely Mm. right, Um, that Hanukkah is, from a religious perspective, uh, a minor holiday, just like I'm told that Christmas, from a religious perspective, doesn't have a whole lot to do with decorating trees. But uh, it becomes bigger because of the social focus on these holidays. And I think also for people who don't have a lot of Jewish symbols and ritual in their life, it becomes a significance because this is so public. People would ask them, what are you doing for Hanukkah? People are much less likely to ask a Jewish person, what are you doing for Sukkot? Well, exactly. I mean, people ask me all that time, what are you doing for Hanukkah? And I was saying, <laughs> nothing. You know, if I'm home, I'll light the candles. <laughs> but, you know, the big deal is Passover, right? So how does that become a stress? Is it, is it sort of a, a tug of war about whose holiday is more important? When it comes to Hanukkah and Christmas, I think there is something of a difference between a household with two uh, adult, fully formed individuals in it, even though we all grow and change, and a household where we're raising and giving an identity to a next generation. Right. Now, I know people of other faiths, Mm -hmm. 
and um, they're not Christian, and they kind of embrace it as part of the culture. I know people who are Sikhs, and they're serious Sikhs, but they'll have a Christmas tree at their house. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that kind of accommodation and saying, well, it's not really a religious thing? Uh, I grew up with a good friend who was Zoroastrian who had a lovely Christmas tree. So I certainly know that a number of different cultures and groups feel comfortable doing that. Uh, From a Jewish perspective, it's something uh, that I specifically urge couples uh, not to do. Now, I'm sure a lot of your interfaith couples, even if they don't have Christmas in their home, they will certainly visit the Christian side of their family and participate with them, and and perhaps the Christian side will come and celebrate Hanukkah or whatever. And that's exactly what I encourage. You can't have a healthy interfaith family if you don't respect the two families of origin from which you come. Do you ever have problems that even if the couple works it out, it's a problem for their families? Uh, Certainly those challenges occur, especially in years where the two holidays coincide. So what advice would you have, say, to a parent of somebody who has just married somebody from another faith, Mm -hmm. and suddenly there's this new culture in the family? What advice do you have? The most important advice I would give to parents of a new interfaith couple is to be welcoming, first of all. Um, We're talking about a spouse here. So when your child has made a commitment, uh, you want, first and foremost, I would hope, to uh, protect and preserve the good relationship with your child and the new member of your family who's married to them. In addition, I think it's an important time to invite that new couple to observe and share in your traditions in your home in a way that is an opportunity rather than something that forces them to choose between that and something with uh, the other person's family of origin. And third, that if uh, as a parent one is concerned that the couple is not dealing with these issues, thankfully there are people like myself, rabbis and Christian clergy as well, um, who can be involved to help counsel the couple uh, because these issues are so fraught with emotion and symbolism uh, that while it's good to talk about them, conflict about these issues is common and uh, involving clergy who you know and trust who are already part of your family's life uh, is a wonderful way to help the couple work through these issues uh, without creating intergenerational family conflict, which none of us need. Okay, Rabbi Dolgan, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, happy Hanukkah, Chag Sameach. (laughs) Thank you very much. My pleasure, and a happy Hanukkah to you and your family. The rabbi is certainly right about that last point. No one needs intergenerational conflict. Coming up, we'll have some gift ideas to bring all the generations in the family together. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. It's a very pleasant problem to have. What to buy for someone who has everything? That's the situation for many Zoomers, at least when it comes to acquiring more stuff. What to get them for Christmas? Zoomer Magazine's executive editor Vivian Vassos has some ideas for multi-generational gift-giving to bring the family together. There's one category that I like to call the leisureologist, and I think that sort of spans all age groups. The idea of games and family is still a very popular uh, 
trend, and there are so many amazing games. But but share those. So if you're if you have a, a family, a multi gen family, you can share your passion for things like words. So Scrabble. But there are also beautifully hand wrought wooden domino sets or backgammon, and you can even go virtual. So you've got uh, grandpa playing golf with grandson, great aunt playing rocksmith guitar with their great great nieces and nephews, and it keeps the family sort of motivated to network and stay together and connected. And that's so good for all of us. So basically you're saying don't get them some stuff for them to open and, and have by themselves. Get exactly. Them. Exactly. Don't don't get a scarf. They probably have 40 of them. I'm Unless they are re-entering the workforce or, I mean, give it a bit of thought. Our producer, Paul Thomas, was just saying his parents are the hardest to buy for. And because they have everything they need, but they're also saying they'll buy him an expensive gift and say, don't spend any money. Right. So what I would recommend to Paul is the gift that he chooses is something that perhaps he can even enjoy with his parents. So they they get to share it. They get to experience it. I mean, he might want to ask them for uh, a, a trip to Florida or, or a, a weekend in New York, and they could come too. <laughs> Things like that that have that meaning, and, and they get to enjoy it. I mean, it could be as basic as the Bond 50 set, because everyone loves Bond. Who doesn't love Sean Connery, and who doesn't love Daniel Craig? And that's a night with a big bowl of popcorn, and, and dad, and son, and watching Bond blow up all sorts of great things, <laughs> and, and they share that, and it's a lot of fun. I'd really like to explore that multi-generational aspect to gift giving. When you're trying to keep the family together and explore that, you can do it in, in a lot of ways, even charitable ways. So you can take the catalog from World Vision and go through it with the kids or the grandkids or vice versa. Sit down with, with you know your Zoomer parents or grandparents and there are ways you can make sure the water is potable in a village in Africa or you can look at buying a goat. But you can take it, again, another a, a step further. So when you're talking about things like arts, if the arts are a very important thing, arts and the community of arts, you can promote that idea by donating or buying pieces of jewelry from Haiti. And this promotes the work ethic and allows them to buy more material. So again, it's taking it up a notch. You can look at hand-woven baskets from Africa that are as much an art piece as they are useful. Is the key to that doing it together, not surprising somebody with a goat, for instance? Well, I think, again, it takes it up a notch. So, so you're, you're doing the whole process. You're, you're choosing something together, and it adds meaning. And I think meaning is the – and we talk about that, you know, gifts that give back. But this, is, this really is a way that adds more meaning. You're all part of the process. You're, you're looking at these things, and, and I think it – and again, Zoomers are very charitable. We, we, we are philanthropists. And if we can pass that along, it's one of the most important things. And why not start it from the, you know, from the ground up? Vivian Vassos, thanks so much for those great suggestions and Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. We'll have more on the etiquette of giving charity as a gift next week. And you can find more gift ideas in the December issue of Zoomer magazine. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. As we've mentioned, it's the first day of Hanukkah. In just a moment, we'll return with some music for the occasion. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. 
It's time now for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, the classic Christmas movie It's a Wonderful Life comes to the stage in an adaptation set in a 1940s radio station. It's a Wonderful Life, the 1946 radio play, is in previews at the Irish Repertory Theater on West 22nd Street. In Chicago, the public housing life that inspired Elvis in Memphis and Barbara Streisand in Brooklyn is the focus of a new exhibit. The sound, the soul, the syncopation is at Expo 72 on East Randolph Street. To Fairbanks, Alaska, you'll get into the holiday spirit if you're dressed warmly. The Christmas Ice Festival is this weekend with temperatures in the minus 40 Celsius range. And in London, England, Kiss Me Kate with music and lyrics by Cole Porter is on stage at the Old Vic. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Date Book. Mi malel kurot Yisrael otan mi that's the classic Hanukkah song, Mi Yamalel, performed by the University of Wisconsin Mad Hatters. Other holiday standards include Ma'oz Tur, Hanukkah o Hanukkah, and I Had a Little Dreidel. They haven't exactly entered the popular culture, but here's a song that has, sort of. It will take us from the sublime to the ridiculous, but I collapse in giggles no matter how many times I hear it. Here is Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. <laughs> Lights the menorah So do James Conkirk Douglas and the late Dinosaurah Guess who eats together At the Carnegie Deli Bowser from Shanana And Arthur Fonzarelli <laughs> Paul Newman's half Jewish Goldie Hawn's half too Put them together What a fine looking Jew Seattle Supersonicas celebrate Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. (laughs) 
Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. On this lovely, lovely Hanukkah So drink your gin and tonica And smoke your marijuana If you really, really wanna go Have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah Happy Hanukkah That was Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song And I'd like to wish everyone celebrating a very happy Hanukkah that brings us to the end of today's program. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to come back next week when we talk to a psychologist about coping with stress during the holiday season. See you then. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Van Dree. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.